0: If Maury supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Blah
1: blah blah, the blah blah Send it out good vibes. Blah blah blah, good vibes. Blah blah, good
2: vibes. good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath
1: breaths
3: of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection, and put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track, shivers or vibrations and stuff like that.
4: Cool. Many souls who don't need to reincarnate reincarnate anyway because they want to come to the earth and they want to be of service. They want to help, so they they'll come back again when they don't need to. I have had. Okay, guys,
0: welcome back to the Guy America show. We are going to be chatting with Joanne Dimaggio a little bit later. Little Edgar Casey reincarnation, soul families, all that kind of fun stuff. We got everybody's favorite podcaster, Graham Dunlop, in the studio with his protest stickers on his laptop. Hey,
3: buddy. Yeah, the RIP of the flu.
0: Graham, I don't believe in COVID, Dunlop. <laughs> Imagine a virus. Imagine doing all this for a virus so deadly you have to be tested even though you have it. Oh, That would have been a good one to put on my truck.
3: Yeah. I got more. There's more stickers. Yeah, there's. I got a place where you put one on my truck.
0: I put the no more lockdowns on my truck. You know who I I want to keep it mostly ubiquitous. Or no, is that the right word? I don't ambiguous. Ambiguous. I don't want to be like. I feel like everyone can sort of get along with no more lockdowns. Here's the thing: if I'm around, I got no problem defending my opinions. I don't want to go out for dinner downtown, come home to a brick through my fucking truck window, yeah, from some fucking douchebag, yeah. Who didn't agree with my, thinks I'm a COVID idiot. Yeah. Super spreader. He thinks you're far right. Can I be far right if I'm
3: brown? Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. You're not
3: brown. You're dark white.
0: I'm dark white?
3: Yeah. You're still white, but you're dark white.
0: I'm a registered Indian fellow. I
3: know, but you're white. You're still white. <laughs> if they want you to be white, you're white. Even with my status card? Especially if you've got, especially if you're protesting all this stuff, dude. You're white. Am I protesting? Anyways, we don't want to get into all this kind of stuff on this regular show because we have a, another feed and I want to do a little bit of rant because I've been playing around in the databases. But
0: playing with your dinghy.
3: <laughs> so I'm going to do a little bit of rant rant in our next Outlawed intro Are ya? for this week. Good oh, for you. Is it, uh, who's coming up on that? Is it? Gareth Ike, that's coming up on that.
0: Gareth Ike is an expert.
3: Oh, he's what a fantastic chat, man! I was that's listening to guy. his podcast. What TAF? I think what is that? What the actual fuck it stands for? W-T-A-F? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. hilarious, man. The, 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 yeah, uh, he's fun to talk The, to the, the UK sense to chat with him, him yeah. again. Yeah.
0: I can't wait till we go over to the UK, get to meet some of these guys. But I don't know if yeah. I'll, we'll ever get to go to the UK. Like I he know, said, it's probably knows. gonna be five years.
3: <laughs> yeah, but hey, that's what we talk about. I'm ready to hunker down and give it a couple of years.
0: Oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. you know,
3: because we have a differing opinion, and I want to argue with the, I want to argue with you a little bit on this. My freedom the, of
0: travel really opens up in like seven or eight years.
3: Grime America outlawed. Check it out, please. Subscribe You're to the free the one at something? least, and then uh, yeah, and then we right. have a plus feed there, a premium feed as well. You so say you want to argue with me about something? Yeah, I do.
0: Yeah. Right now?
3: No, on the on the next on the, outlaw? On the next outlaw. Yeah. Do you want to
0: argue with me about something? Yeah. I've done something to offend you?
3: No, not at all. I do just you don't still agree with my your, beliefs? Just, you. You're just, too, you're just taking this all too lightly.
0: I'm taking it too lightly. <laughs>
3: yeah. The future. Listen. The,
0: the, the future, the jabless, things, the jabless future. Things we won't get into on air <laughs> into jab- after the fact. <laughs> you could tell me that I'm not. Fighting this on the fucking front line, okay? Yeah. Whether it's going for a haircut on Friday without my mask on, or going out for dinner afterwards without
3: mask, flying around I, I the don't country without no mask—I don't mean that. I don't mean that. Or now, <laughs> I don't mean that. I don't. I didn't take say it that. To the next step. I didn't say that. i, th- well, you I said I'm I taking said, it too lightly. No, no. The but I'm future. The, the future. You're taking. You're. You're handling the present up totally appropriately. Better than appropriate. Better. Like hundred percent. So how it's else? The future. How
0: else do you deal with the future without dealing with the pre- present appropriately?
3: We'll talk about that. So is there some? <laughs> we'll talk about is there it. some other way I could be dealing with the present? To, no, no. To help we with just. All I'm just trying to say is we don't agree with do where just this want me is to going. Be no, I don't. You just want no, me you got to gotta be, be the light. You got to be the, the. You know the. The white pill guy or whatever, and I'll the be the black white pill, pill guy. guy? You know? I don't know what is that a thing. I don't, I don't know. know but I'm <laughs> you gotta sure be the opposite not... to the black I'm pill. I'm sure right? he's not whatever. me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm
0: certain it's not me. I'm certain. Ah, uh, okay.
3: I'll tell you what. I'll give people a hint.
0: No, I don't want to hint. You don't. All right, give us a hint.
3: Listen to the tinfoil hat episode four eighty six. I think. That's Let's not going happen. Sam Tripoli, I'm not telling you to. Okay. I'm just saying, if the listeners are interested in what I'm talking about, it is one of my all-time favorite podcasts. It ties in, just just so you know, ties in Operation High Jump.
0: Ooh. What was that Bird, again?
3: Bird. In is that the dude who jumped out of the plane? Real no, high? But not, not, no, but now you got me questioning whether it's High Jump or not. I'm pretty sure it is. I could be wrong, and um, I think the one I'm talking about was sponsored and, and by Red Bull. And about and about gene therapy, and about uh, all this stuff is all tied together. It's a fascinating, fascinating podcast. One of my all-time favorites. I mean, and that's you know that's saying a lot. People listen to me when
0: I talk about the vaccine.
3: Four thirty six is the number. So it's Tinfoil Hatter, buddy Sam Tripoli. I'm just. I, it's not very often I shut out a specific episode like this, but I'd love to hear what people think about it.
0: I was out for lunch on Friday.
3: It ties in High Jump and everything that's happening right now. I agree. The new Schwabenland. That's why it's important Klaus, to prove that it's all Klaus bullshit. The new
0: That's what I'm trying to do.
3: Yeah, okay. So what were you going to say about lunch? By
0: the way, i got to say a huge shout out to John Carpe. Oh. Over at the JCCF, who's going to come back on Grand America Outlawed soon. Okay. But who has... Uh, Send me a huge solid by uh, putting me in touch with some people that I'm might th- help me with some... No, things. they're
3: still hiring touch lawyers people. over there, so... Are they? Yeah.
0: Well, you gave me one, so... That's great. That's great. Makes me feel a little more comfortable. Yeah,
3: totally. So, um,
0: but we'll get into all that in a couple weeks.
3: I'll put a link to the JCCF in the show notes for anybody, and we did have one Outlawed, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Totally. Talking about the constitutional freedoms in Canada that are slipping, slipping, slipping away, but they're, you know... They're-
0: Constitution. All right, what do you got, homeboy? The kids took my phone to Skype their grandma because it's Easter. Oh, right. So I don't have, I was going to do some social media stuff, but I don't, I I got nothing.
3: Do you want my phone to do it or no?
0: Do you have Twitter on your phone?
3: Uh, I don't know. Or Twitter? Uh, I probably do somewhere, but I don't use it. You don't? No. But yeah, I got it here. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass you over the phone. I don't think I need it anymore.
0: Or again? Oh, look, it is the Twitter. Yeah, You got the app on your phone?
3: Well, I've had it. This
0: app is fucking evil, bro. I don't use it. You have the YouTube app on? Yeah, but it's on your phone. I think that's all that has to happen. Hey, didn't you have the YouTube app on
3: here at one time, too? Yeah, yeah, I got it there, yeah. All don't right. be looking through my phone. Just too use late. what you got to do.
0: No, it's too late. I got to look through your phone to find what I got to do, though. That's the thing. All right, well, why don't we start with... Did you go get your haircut? I with, did
3: with uh, a mask. little a little while ago. Yeah, the oh, guys I, in
0: town here no mask. That's good. No problem. Good, good. I even have a mask in my hand going in, and then I see no mask. <laughs> right in my pocket. Because the barber, I mean, what am I, that's the exception I got to make, I guess. I, I, I just think,
3: wear that little clear shield, dude, everywhere. I don't wear my. Ma- I haven't put a mask on in fucking months. The clear shield. Yeah. A little, little tiny little mouth shield so people can see me smile still. And I smile at everybody and they just don't know what to do. I can't even tell what they're doing because everybody's masked up. They don't smile back? Oh, well, they, sometimes they, they see a little squinty away. eye, they're but I, you know, just see you the know, eye contact
0: everywhere. You're hanging out in the wrong crowds, Dunlap. You still go to the grocery store? I do, yeah. Man, I haven't gone to the grocery store in months.
3: Really? No, I feeling. totally
0: opted out of the grocery store. I don't know if I'd ever go back.
3: Is that a front? Is that a frontline fight thing?
0: No, <laughs> you know what it is. Honestly, is is in the beginning, it was like the thing became such a pain in the ass. I didn't want to deal with it. Yeah, and then I just found alternatives, and it's like I use that Instacart, which ain't great, and it's a little pricey. But
3: it's worth. It's probably worth your time.
0: But I don't spend it. I don't buy any meat. Yeah. So I'm saving so much money on groceries from a meat perspective, and you know I'm I'm bartering my meat for, for rice and other allowed? things like that. I don't give a fuck what the government has to say, and and stuff like that. So I'm not, you know, my groceries are so limited that it's worth the extra fifteen bucks to. Oh yeah, dude! If you
3: don't have to drive out there and stand and, in line, especially and... at this
0: point with the limited this and the limited that, mm-hmm. and it's. It's like every time I go to the store, it's taking two hours. And I value my time at like $50 an hour minimum.
3: Plus, you just avoid the disappointment of humanity every time you go out and see exactly. all scary people everywhere. I
0: stay here and edit a podcast or edit yeah. a Rockfin episode. Or Yeah. I mean, sometimes literally the groceries will be sitting out on my step after we're done recording. Nice. It's just like, okay, well. So it just, and then I just became addicted to the convenience of it. And it actually tracks how much time I've saved and not shopping. Like, I think today I used it and it was like, I'm, I'm up to 60 hours. Wow. Like this this year I've saved not shopping. And so I'm like, Is fo- that crazy? So you're falling in the chop, right?
3: I was because like, That's now they're going to be crazy. Because they right? get to cherry pick all the stuff they give you. If you're ordering fresh stuff, you get all the bad stuff, right? You can't go in there and pick and choose and all that. My stuff's no. been great. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm a good tipper. Good. Oh.
0: Anyway. I forget what I was gonna go into. Hours, you. the hours. Sorry. Oh, I don't see it. Could it be 60 hours? That seems high. Yeah. But I guess you no, know No, it's like an
3: hour every time it's you do it. Two hours, hours every time.
0: Yeah. Because I don't you go to Safeway. I go to Superstore usually
3: because
0: oh. it's Canadian. Really? Yeah. Huh. I'm gonna have to change. I've that. become super conscious about where I spend my Oh, money yeah, no,
3: no, States. me too. I just I've always been a Safeway guy. It's, me I know, too. I, know store, I know I know the store. I know it's Canadian. Just, you know,
0: and I, I don't think Safeway is Canadian at all.
3: I thought they were bought, too, but from somebody else in the U.S. Superstar? I thought there was no real choice. They and... fucking better not be because it okay, says well, I'm gonna check real it
0: Canadian superstar.
3: No, I'm going to check Tell it out. I'll check I'm it right. out. Okay, I'll check it out.
0: Not but now, but I'll check it
3: out. Okay, good. All right. Okay, what do you got? You got, Are you doing social media or what's going on here? I
0: don't know. I got, got getting sidetracked. Off track. People think I'm probably doing a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> But honestly, I'm addicted to it now. I don't think I could ever go back to like the thought of going to the grocery store is just fucking awful to yeah, me yeah, at yeah. this point. Yeah. I have to find a parking spot. Oh
3: my God, dude. Okay. Like, this Dude's is just too much now. No, it's okay. the no, 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 in no, no. there. It's not that bad. I don't even do that. Yeah. I know. It's, it's, it's super casual now. It's fine. Is it? It's yeah. all
0: letting off? Yeah. Well, Do they I mean, still have the cashiers behind the fucking thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're
3: all masked up. Yeah, fuck, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, anyways, let's let's move on. I don't on.
0: want my kids to be any part of that world. I don't know. I'd rather I, have them here, yeah. and then we interact with the world when on you our need terms to. with our when people. When you need to, yeah. And with people who don't give a fuck like us, for the yeah. most part. Yeah, These neighbors are moving out. I hope the new neighbors are cool. Oh, boy, yeah. Dude, I got chickens. <laughs> I need my neighbors to be on the level. We'll see. <laughs> I'm ready to go and fight with the government over my chickens, too. Just wait That's till it. Karen shows up next door. Right, fuck it. Fuck you, Karen. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, my God. This is turning into a disaster. It's the- oh, you got the quote of the week now, right? you, you just... What happened to this
0: I social see media? Well, I need time to find it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm
3: buying it with you. It's a profound All right. Well, I got a good quote. This, I you, could see you. you. might be able to guess this one. I could see you. Can you guess the yeah. human the jingle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna like this. This you might you might uh, you might actually get this.
0: I can't find the app. Really? I had it open to you, dude. That was Twitter, though. I'm looking for the YouTube uh, comment app.
3: Oh, okay.
0: You sure you have it on here?
3: Okay. I, I did, yeah. No, I not think you do. Here. Here. No, you just worry about your quote. Okay, well, you got you to gotta guess this here. Okay, I'm listening. If you obsess over whether you are making the right decision, you are basically assuming that the universe will reward you for one thing and punish you for another. The universe has no fixed agenda. Once you make any decision, it works around that decision. There is no right or wrong, only a series of possibilities that shift with each thought, feeling, and action that you experience. If this sounds too mystical, refer again to the body. Every significant vital sign, body temperature, heart rate, oxygen consumption, hormone level, brain activity, and so on, alters the moment you decide to do anything. Decisions are signals. Telling your body, mind, and environment to move in a certain direction. Trying to guess? Super famous spiritual guy. Contemporary. Hmm. Foreign? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Got an accent. Uh, Only possibilities like um, that kind of accent. I know who it
0: is, but I don't (laughs) know his name. Deepak, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Chopra, <laughs> Yeah. Chopra. I don't know his name. Deepak, Deepak yeah. in the <clears throat> Deepak in come. the quotes. <laughs> I can't find the YouTube app, so I'm in the Twitter, which is a whole different thing. Okay, what do we got? I know, maybe we you got. It on Twitter. I mean, that's yeah, strange. Twitter's like a fucking cesspool. Let's bro. just go to my project operation. We though. got. Charlie Murphy, the guys from Great America, stopped by to get weird with me about the technical side of avoiding censorship, UFOs, and the vaccine situation. Charlie, where was that? Right, we were on Macro yeah. Charlie Robinson, episode one thirteen. I believe. actually,
3: Greg uh, Carlwood gave us an email, sent uh, an email, says really thankful that we discussed all that stuff. Like we talked about the back end of podcasting and why we have to decentralize. Like you did, that was a lot of just you and Charlie kind of picking brains about. How the podcasting field has to move forward. What do or I know about that? Now? Yeah, well, you set it all up, dude. Yeah, you did. You figured it all out. Like I, I don't know what what you did there. But I you still don't, you don't know what I don't,
0: don't, know, don't know. what I'm talking about.
3: Yeah, but you. Well, obviously you did. All right, well, it came feedback. across well. It was good. If Greg thinks it was good. I'll take it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> From the eclectic engineer. To us and Richard Diaz, I just tried to listen to back catalog episode one ninety two, Richard Diaz one fifteen forty. His misunderstanding in use of the LD fifty number is astounding. Das ist nicht nur nicht nicht es ist nicht falsch. I don't know what that means. I don't speak German. Maybe someone out there does. Wow, how do you, do you think I nailed it?
3: Yeah, that was pretty good. That's not yeah.
0: bad. Eh? Ah, we got from Yoles OG. What's the difference between regular Grimerica and Grimerica 2.0? I get the outlawed is for the sketchy topic, <laughs> but why the 2.0?
3: Where does 2.0 come from?
0: That's the self hosted Grimerica feed.
3: Oh, okay.
0: Which everyone's sort of stressed does, and people are just finding it now. Okay. Which is good. So, Did I you mean, answer them or? I answered them. Yes, yeah, assume I answered them. I don't good. answer everyone on Twitter. Twitter is a terrible place to get a hold of me. Um, there's really no good place to get a hold of me other than the chats. Well, that comes back market. to chats.
3: That comes back to Greg Carwood's feedback for you. So you were parallel. You have the America show parallel, right? One hosted through the regular service, mm-hmm. and one self-hosted, so that we can, if something goes down and the loophole of podcasting free speech goes away we can transition over to the other one.
0: Yeah, well, eventually I'm going to point it all before then is the plan. Yeah. I'm going to get out of there before then. But that brings me to that point is I'm trying to stress test that feed. So it's grimerica.ca slash feed slash podcast. That's the self-hosted RSS feed. Same thing as this one. Nothing changes. Episodes are all the same. Uh, All the same. But we're, I'm sort of building that up. I have no way of knowing how many people are downloading anything like that. I don't care. I just want to know that it's working. Right. I don't care how many people are downloading it. Yeah. What yeah. I want to know is that when you're downloading, it's downloading at a speed that's okay with you. It's not bogging up the system. It's not taking too long to download. All the episodes are there, and they're all working.
3: Oh, the episodes? Okay. The episodes. So can you, can you can you track how many downloads from there?
0: Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to track I probably can somehow, but, but yeah, I don't okay. care.
3: Yeah. Uh, so that that kind of brings us to you were talking support. about. We were talking about YouTube and support and all that. Like we still are using. We don't have outlawed on YouTube. Um, we do stream. No we do stream the first half of our outlawed episodes on Rockfin. We've also got another series on Rockfin. A couple more series on Rockfin that are just uh, exclusive. Premium. Yeah, we for do. Rockfin, but but the YouTube you were talking to me about maybe just getting rid of you two altogether. And uh, like, I, I kind of support that decision, but it's a tough decision because it still might be worth having it. There's a ghost. Like maybe we go, maybe we go on for 10 minutes or a little episode to tell everybody yeah. where to find us, where to go now. Cause I mean, and I don't know if I'm going to
0: delete all the stuff that's there. Cause that's honestly just more work, but I don't want to keep giving YouTube content is kind of the thing is like, you know, we all say fuck YouTube, but then we're still just using them. And now we've got found. And honestly, I've never found Odyssey and BitChute as viable alternatives. I just don't. I've tried to stream to them. I've tried this and that. It's just, you know, from the amount of views we're getting there and everything else, it's just.
3: But Rockfin's okay for you?
0: Rockfin's been working. Yeah. And the stream interface is good. Streaming seems to work good. Playing the videos back seems to work fine. I haven't heard anything Negative. Negative. So we've started
3: streaming everything we do there. So we've got our new so you're show So you parallel there. streaming, like when we do a normal America episode, we stream it on YouTube. For oh, the heck sorry. of it. I mean, it doesn't have to be. It's really an audio thing. But we do it on YouTube anyways. And now you do it on Rockfin as well at the same time.
0: Yeah. And the Outlaws are there. And then we have a premium show there too, America Goes Deep, which is in its second season. It's a video show. So we're doing one on climate change now,
3: and, and you're going to put up. the trailer for Tony Heller. This is the first trailer of the climate change series. You're going to put yep. it like an eight minute trailer at the end of this intro before our interview with Joanne, which is fantastic. I mean, th- we had Tony Heller, Randall Carlson, Jim Lee, um, talking about, uh, climate change in different aspects. It's been a fantastic, uh, journey.
0: This and next is two. we're going to have Mark Murano,
3: Yeah. So we're kind of just pushing back on this whole narrative. Is it Murano? Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Close enough. Close enough? Yeah. Yeah, so that's good. So, anyways, if people want to go over there, because we might end up just, you know, only being there eventually. Um, and we will have to get backups of everything, but we might only be there. So just head over there for your free uh subscription at Rockfin. That's R O K F I N dot com. And then if you go there slash Grimerica you'll and if you actually did sign up to the monthly which is like the netflix of youtube so there's a you know charlie robinson sam triple has got a bunch of shows uh the propaganda report ricky from the ripple effect um there's all i mean there's a whole bunch like almost the whole union of the unwanted is over there um it's like so you get access to all that content for a low monthly fee so if you're thinking about getting off of youtube or these other places right that's the place go man get all that content
0: Yeah, honestly, it's a choose the internet you want, vote with your dollars kind of thing. You don't have to even do the premium thing, but you do need to get off YouTube if you don't agree with what they're doing. And that's the move we'll be sort of optioning towards in the immediate future. I mean, by the end of this year, the chances we've still got full episodes of anything on YouTube are fucking slim to none. Yeah. We're walking away. If you guys wanna we hope you guys will come with us, but we can't continue to support them. Right. Just can't. We're hoping you can continue to support us. Grammarica.ca slash support. Of course, uh now I gotta say, I'm gonna take a minute here and expand on this because there does seem to still be some confusion out there. I don't know if people don't listen to the intros. Okay, so uh because people don't stand, okay, I'm on rockfin, but I don't get the outlaw, or I'm here. So there's this we just started two new shows. So there's always this show. This show's still here. Nothing Value changes. for value. It's value for value. Still
3: runs on your support. Thank you very much. Still runs on
0: your support. If everyone's dot support, and it's gonna to be tough to do. Um so that's over at grammerica.ca slash support. If you can sign up for a monthly, that's great. Uh there's a stripe option, a PayPal option, Patreon option, Bitcoin option, all that stuff. Grammerica.ca slash support. We're gonna keep pumping this show out. This will be episode, I think, 487, 488, something like that, all there for free. They're going to keep coming out, coming at you for free every week. If you're getting some value from this podcast, from those 487 episodes, you do see it's adding some value to your life, to your day, to your commute, to your workout, to your walk in the bush. Whenever you're listening to the show, wherever, your road trip, you go to grandamerica.ca slash support. It says worth a cup of coffee, a chocolate bar, a bag of chips. Squeegee guy at the red light. You decide, sign up there for a monthly. Helps us pay the bills, helps us stay on the air, helps us keep going and growing. And then we have Grammaric Outlawed, which is a show entirely separate to this. It's a standalone. It is also weekly. It comes out, this show comes out on Sundays. It comes out on Fridays, Thursdays, Fridays in there. And it's a two hour show cut in half. One hour is free, available on all the podcast players, Spotify, every place else. Also Rockfin for free and for free on Rockfin, I said. Yep. And, or you can go to grammaricaoutlaw.ca and sign up for Plus. And then that one hour show, Grammarica Outlawed becomes a two hour show.
3: And you get some articles that we read. We narrate some articles and some little, some books, controversial books, maybe chapters and stuff like that. So there's a little bit of extra stuff in there as well for the Plus slash premium members. Yep. And that's just 639 US a month.
0: Yep. And those are our two podcasts. So the hope would be if you're listening to both those shows and you want to have plus that you'd support them both on some level. That would be ideal because they don't support each other. But we understand that if you can't only afford one and you want that extra premium content on ca, the best course is to cancel the Grimerica sub, wherever it is, Patreon or Stripe or PayPal. PayPal and sign up on the new one through because otherwise I have to do it all manually. And yeah, it's a so that's the automatic. It's a way fucking to do nightmare because it. yeah. it's all automated and member generated and it makes you a password and it does all that stuff automatically when you sign up. So if you don't want to support both shows because you can't afford it, we understand it. But they are two different separate shows. The Outlaw isn't an, an extension of this show. Yeah, because we, 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 we made, we made a decision the decision to, to start out. a new show instead of monetizing yeah. this, instead of doing that kind of thing with this show.
3: And we also made a decision to do it with that premium feed and not through Patreon or these other things. Like it's basically a feed that you paste into your podcast player. You add it manually. And then it gives you this whole new feed. I mean, the podcast and it's that we one hundred
0: percent self hosted, so we, no one can delete it. Yes, on it's
3: one hundred percent self hosted, and we and the ones that I've subscribed to, like I have a few favorites, like Mysteries Universe and Aeon Byte. and I I, I I subscribe myself to some premium feeds and THC, and I I like that way that those work. You know, it's a whole new podcast feed that gives you the full two hours or whatever that is. It's a whole new thing. And it's just seamless. So that's what that's the way we decided to do it. So it's kind of an automatic thing to go to Gram America slash support and you can sign up there. I think what's been confusing is we've also been streaming that first hour on Rockfin just for the hell of it, because we can and it's kind of been fun well, to have it YouTube on Rockfin. Us off. <laughs> yeah, well that's right. Well we did but we didn't have to stream. I mean we could just no. do it audio only, but we, we decided just to do that first half in Rockfin. So I think people go there in Rockfin they see, well, is this, you know, is this Rockfin or Outlawed or whatever? So we're just, we're streaming the Outlawed in Rockfin. And if you're in Rockfin, it's easy to see what's free and premium. If you're in there and you haven't signed up for the premium, you'll see all these premium flags on all those videos for everybody. Yeah. And ours, the Outlawed will be free, but you can't sign up for Rockfin and then get the second half of Outlawed. That's the thing. It's, it's, a, it's, it's not even on video anywhere. It's just an audio thing.
0: No, there's usually like a six, five or six minute blurb of it on Rockfin in the premium section, but that's it. If you want to get that second hour of Outlaw, the only place to get it Yeah, that's And then Rockfin is another totally separate show that we started because Rockfin... That's video and that's all just video. Rockfin's a video platform. And part of the deal of taking our back catalog of video there and being able to stream all of whatever we want live there for free was giving them some premium content. Exclusive. Sorry. Exclusive to don't, Rockfin. Yeah,
3: I don't want to use premium. Yeah, kind of like.
0: We had to give Rockfin like... exclusive content. And we had actually played with the idea of doing that with the Plus Show. Yeah. And decided that we didn't want to do that. We wanted to keep control of that 100% in-house.
3: Yes, exactly. So
0: we were trying to decide what we were going to do with Rockfin. And our decision was just to do more work and come out with another show, which is 100% video. We do, it's all video, it's all slideshow, it's all presentations. And that's another third separate show that we now do on our Saturdays. Yeah. And upload to Rockfin for premium Rockfin subscribers. Yeah. So those are the three different shows that we do and the three different monetization models behind it. And kind of the reasons for them and the methods to that madness.
3: And our first series was on lost civilizations. Like we talked about Atlantis with Randall Carlson and Hyperborea and the North Wind and uh, uh, Tartaria and ancient Egypt technologies. I mean, with Ben from Uncharted X, that was our first series. And then the second series is this pushing back against climate change.
0: Yeah. And then I think the next one will be like COVID and vaccines and stuff like that. And we'll just keep sort of trudging away on that. But like I say, those are sort of three different shows that we do. There's not really any cross content other than the trailers that we play here, the America shows, you know, that's three separate shows we cross market them and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, that's sort of that. I hope that clears up any confusion. We understand if you can't support us or follow us on all those places, but those are just sort of how we've expanded our workload and how we're trying to expand things here and grow into the future. Yeah. Yeah. because uh, and
3: and being and being safe, right? And trying to insulate ourselves from cancel culture. Trying to basic. insulate
0: ourselves from cancel culture. Trying to expand things and trying to grow at a rate that's manageable. Because you know the the other model just wasn't doing it. I mean, yeah. If we're being frank,
3: yeah. Are we going on Frank? Who's Frank? Frank's the new platform from the My Pillow guy. What? Frank? It's a perfect name.
0: Is it? Let Me Be Frank? Yeah. Is it frank.com?
3: It's probably frank, yeah.
0: Wasn't there another new blueprint? Didn't someone else just email <laughs> us about some other new platform the other day? This is getting out of control.
3: My mom told me. It. It's like, hey, you guys can put your podcast on Frank.
0: Fuck Frank. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't say that. It might turn out to be great. Are you still doing the oppo? Or are you I am. I got one. I got
3: it? one. Let's go. Let's go. I got it here.
0: It's, it's already at 30 it's... minutes. All right. I got the jingle here.
2: What, what, what's that noise? But it looks military to me. Definitely military. Probably classified, too. Dishfire, Prism, Sentry Eagle, Sigma, Mannurkin, Artichoke, MK Ultra. Operation Project.
3: I was going to do one about the moon because they were talking in the 50s and 60s about uh, making military bases on the moon. Because I found that interesting, you know. After. The moon landing, and when was that, 69? Or was it seventy nine sixty nine right? Or was it 73? I can't remember. I don't fucking believe Anyways, the moon landing first. and then I because well, they already got military bases up there. Because they followed the Nazis up there after Project Paperclip. Or think the, so? and think so? And High Jump. They're like, wow, man, we seen these UFOs in Antarctica. They're all the way up to the moon. I still think it happened. I'm telling you, listen to that Tinfoil Hat episode. Blow you away.
0: I got, dude, I got... <clears throat> So much shit stacked no, I know, up I know. I'm just, I'm just, it's I'm just, that's
3: not really for you. It's for you. Next
0: me. thing I'm going to do, American Gods.
3: Oh, wow. I heard it's good. You know what? I just downloaded the book, uh, his, the Norse ones. The, uh, the one I'm listening to right now from Neil Gaiman is called, that's, man, that takes my phone a long time. The, it, the Norse mythology one. Is it good? Yeah. Well, I just started it. But,
0: I've never yeah. tried any Neil Gaiman before.
3: Yeah. it yeah. will
0: be my that's first nice. thing. Yeah. I'm just finishing yeah. up Mirand.
3: Yeah. I wanted to do that at American Gods as well, so. So, anyways, this one is an interesting operation and it comes from Livescience.com. It's uh, declassified military slash CIA secrets. Have you ever heard of the Dr. Chivago one at all?
0: No. But I started watching a show. Okay. On Netflix. Yeah. I don't know why I haven't canceled Netflix. Yet. I know. I don't watch anything. I don't watch, I don't watch anything, anything on it. I haven't turned the TV the on. The Kids much. haven't been watching it. But I I started and watching. Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah. And I've fallen in love with Ron Swanson. Huh. He's great. You know, this will be funny. I once tried to track, because I always see Ron Swanson in these memes. Right? He's the dude with the mustache, the super libertarian guy. He's in all the libertarian memes all the time, or freedom memes. And I didn't know who he was, because I've never watched this show. I've never watched one episode of this show ever. So I see this guy, this Ron Swanson and all these memes, and he's like a man's man, libertarian. I tried Okay, to, yeah, that I, see, I, tried, I see him
3: now, yeah. I tried yeah. to
0: find Ron Swanson, have him on the show like three years ago. <laughs> no idea he's a fictional character. <laughs> then I, fi- I figured it out pretty quick at the time that he was from a TV show. And then years later, I finally start watching it because we finished The Office and Natasha said, well, if you like The Office, you'd... You got, you love Parks and Rec. You got to try it. And she was right. Loved it. Been watching. It. It's great. And Ron Swanson, fantastic cat. That's not the show. It was a fun show. I started today. We watched an episode of Tribes of Europa.
3: Okay. I heard something about that.
0: It seems fun. Yeah. It's German and it's dubbed, which I think is positive. I think that's a plus that it's not made in Hollywood.
3: Might be dubbed in Hollywood. I mean, it could be completely different than what it's supposed to be, but well, I could
0: put it on in German list and listen, put it on the subtitles, I guess.
3: Yeah. But they could even be just dubbed. I mean,
0: is it woke? You're in too deep, Dunlop. Is it woke? I don't think so. That's not good. Yet.
3: That's good. It's Most like, of it's uh, pretty woke. So
0: it's like the power went out. There was some sort of solar flare or something, and this is like 2070. Oh, wow. After that. Oh, cool. It's back to like, all so it's kind loose of
3: sci-fi-ish and and at all?
0: Or? Somewhat sci-fi-ish, yeah. It's like, from what I've seen so far, there seems to be some king-like guy who's taken over Berlin. And then there's all these sort of tribes that are trying to just be on their own in the bush while people are trying to maintain being back shit. But they're kind of at the point where you're lots of bows and arrows and stuff. It's fun. You'd like it. It's interesting and fun. I, I mean, this thing could still go fucking south. Big time. But I've had it in my list for months and months and months and months, and today we finally watched an episode of it.
3: Right on, cool man. Yeah, let us know how that goes. I will. So this is uh this is interesting. So this is during the Cold War. The CIA played a role in distributing the book Doctor Zhivago.
0: They also dumped shit on Winnipeg and fucking Medicine Hat,
3: and uh,
0: the, and uh, one more other place in Alberta. Y-
3: yeah, that, well, what's that little town? You Suffield. Suffield. Yeah, Suffield. The- that's right. fucking American my elk from. Know, oh, my I know, God. Dude, just... I can't go there ever again. No, I'm sure it's all fine. It's now? All recycled. Nature's recycled. I
0: seen a herd elk yesterday. Did you? They're a couple kilometers from the crown line, though.
3: Okay, let's go through this. Um, so did you know that the CIA played a role in distributing the book Dr. Zhivago throughout the Soviet Union? I
0: don't even know what that book is.
3: The book by Russian writer Boris Pasternak, was banned by the Soviets, according to a Washington Post article, because it displayed an open-minded view of the Bolshevik Revolution, and its protagonist, a doctor-poet, was staunchly individualistic. Seeing the book's potential as a propaganda tool, the CIA worked with its allies in Dutch intelligence to deliver about a thousand copies of the book into Soviet hands. According to documents declassified in 2014, The books were distributed to visiting Soviets at the World's Fair in Brussels in 1958 with help from the Vatican, according to the National Security Archive. Bound in unmarked blue linen and wrapped in brown paper, the books made their way into the Soviet Union, where the CIA hoped they would stir up anti-communist sentiment among disgruntled citizens. The CIA also smuggled other banned books into the Soviet Union, including James Joyce's A Portrait of the Artist, as a young man, and Vladimir Nabokov's Pnin. So I'm going to just I click on that document tab, and I mean, I don't know how real this is, but it seems legit. This is one of more than 130 declassified CA documents that detail the agency's secret involvement in the printing of Dr. Zhivago, an audacious plan that helped deliver the book into the hands of the citizens who later passed it friend to friend allowing it to circulate in Moscow and other cities in the Eastern Bloc. And then this is an actual approved for release on August 1st, 2012. This is the document memorandum for the senior division branch chiefs subject availability of Dr. Shivago in English. So this is the actual document from 1958. It's just one page. I'll quickly go through it. Number one, as you know, Boris Pasternak's latest work, the scholarly novel, Dr. Zhivago, was scheduled for publication in the USSR, and a copy of the manuscript had been sent to the communist Italian publisher when the Soviet censors suddenly prescribed the book for its passive but piercing exposition of the effect of Soviet system of the life of a sensitive, intelligent citizen. It's hard to read. It's smudged because it's like 50 years old and it's been photocopied a bunch of times. So, subsequently, they published published the book in Italian, despite Soviet requests that it return for revision this month, April 1958. Pantheon Books is publishing Dr. Shivago in English, but no Soviet edition in the original Russian has appeared, nor is there apt to be one. Number two, this book has great propaganda value, not only for its intricate message and thought-provoking nature, but also for the circumstance of its publication, We have the opportunity to make Soviet citizens wonder what is wrong with their government when a fine literary work by the man acknowledged to be the greatest living Russian writer is not even available in his own country, in his own language, for his own people to read. (laughs) Number three, we are making efforts to stimulate the production of the book in Russian by some non-political and preferably non-American entity. Meanwhile, we wish to distribute translated editions, and especially the English language edition, as widely as possible within the USSR and to official Soviets abroad. Number four, please tell us how many copies of the book you can handle. Then, while you are informing Redacted, the books will be procured through Redacted and given to you to forwarding to the field. And then there's a secret at the bottom and it's crossed out. And that was like in the late fifties, eh? Didn't
0: get much you better. Now me. it's
3: now it's just wrapped right up, probably oh, yeah. everywhere.
0: Fucking through the roof.
3: There you go.
0: There you have Did it. Did you like folks. that one? Oh, that's a good one. Like little Canadiana. <laughs> we hope you guys enjoy our little Canadiana, our lazy ramblings. Hope you enjoy this little trailer with our buddy Tony Heller, who's practically a Canadian. And uh, right after that, we're going to jump into it with Joanne DiMaggio.
2: And then I started asking questions, and I started digging into the data and realizing that what was going on, what was being reported by the press and by government agencies like NASA and NOAA, in no way resembled reality, that that. This, there was a there was a narrative being generated. It was based on fake data, altered data, and I've been, so I've been pursuing that story for the past thirteen years. I've been blogging about it for the past thirteen years, and collecting more and more data. I've done probably a hundred thousand blog posts and several thousand videos and countless Twitter tweets and. Um, it, the story is just nothing like what you hear in the press, and nothing like what we hear from our governments. The reality of what's going on with climate is a completely different story. So my father was a phys- nuclear physicist at Los Alamos, and he started complaining in in the 1960s that everything was becoming very political. When he first got to Los Alamos, he said it was great, they would give him money, they could go off and do whatever the crazy ideas they wanted, and they were basically left alone. But then I think in the nineteen sixties we had the Senator William Proxmire from Wisconsin, and he realized he could make a name for himself by um, finding bogus government projects, you know, you know, government science projects which sounded like they were a waste of money. And so he created this golden fleece order. And so then Congress got very heavily involved. With science, and it became very political. This is a, a paper that was written by um, James Hansen, the guy at NASA who started the global warming scare before Congress in 1988. It's a paper he wrote in 1999, and the graph on the left was his U.S. temperature graph in 1999, and it showed that the United States, the warmest year, was 1934, and that the United States had cooled rather significantly. And he was very concerned about this. He wrote about it in this in this paper. He couldn't understand why the United States wasn't warming like it was supposed to, according to his climate models. So he did the obvious thing, which government scientists always did. He just changed the data. And and this is official.
3: Yeah, official NASA graph, right?
2: Right. right from 1999, published by none other than James Hansen, the same guy who was making the predictions, and he was very upset that the United States was cooling. This was 1934, the hottest year, and this was 1998, which was um, you know which was a warm year, but it was cooler than 1934 and 1921. And, you know, which was a century ago, and several other years. So he he was very upset. He couldn't understand what's going on. Yeah. So he they erased the heat of the 1930s, made 1934 cooler than 1998, and it created this warming trend, which doesn't exist. It's it's completely fake data, right? It's so what, what people when what people look at these graphs from the government, they think, wow, NASA, that's the those are the people who took us to the moon, right? And they say that we're heating up out of control, but it's all fake. It's not actual data. And but if we look at the actual data um, from Oxford University of global deaths from natural disasters by decade, they're down ninety percent from a hundred years ago. Wow, Twenty is this is despite the fact that the world's population has tripled in that time so there's been a huge decrease in the number of deaths uh, by natural disasters, so we keep hearing that there's climate crisis. Someone tweeted me this morning, three hundred thousand. The United Nations says that three hundred thousand people a year dying from climate change. But if you look at the actual number, well, look at look at the blue on that.
3: If you just focus on the blue, look at what happened since yeah. the twenties. The blue went down in the forties, which is drought, went down in the sixties, yeah. went down in the eighties to almost nothing.
2: Um, so here, here's another very important graph, right? This is the world population in living in extreme poverty. It's plummeted over the last 200 years, and particularly since 1950. You know, when I was a kid, you know, there were tens of millions of people starving to death in India and China. Now we're not seeing that. So the quality of life has greatly improved for people around the world. That would not be what you'd expect to see from this climate crisis they claim is occurring. This was the graph from the National Interagency Fire Center as of um, six weeks ago. For It was the history of burn acreage in the United States going back to 1926. And you can see there was a lot more burn acreage in the United States prior to 1960. And recent years have been fairly small. Um, and in, in this Washington Post article from a few years ago, what they did was they hit all the data before 1960 to make it look like there was been an increase in fires, even though the trend was actually way down. So this is where the data starts now in 1983, <laughs> So by doing this, and, and so this is the I marked and pink here the data which has been deleted by the Biden administration in the last six weeks, right? So I mean, how can improm- they get away
3: with that? Really, I mean, that is it is this should be taken more serious by people. I mean, I just don't understand how they they well, can I've do been, this.
2: I've, I've been exposing this sort of fraud for more than a decade. The press just censors me, right? They, they would. They're oh, yeah. I mean, you've been scam, attacked
3: right? by but... all kinds of people, too. I mean, you got these skeptics going after you saying, oh, you know, they're rebuttals to you. And I, I don't know what they what they even have. How, you use official data m- most of the time, I believe, uh, right?
2: I, yeah, that's all I use is official data and trusted newspaper sources like the New York Times. <laughs> these are some graphs. This is from National Geographic in 1976 and they showed how earth had warmed up a lot to 1940 and then it cooled down and lost all of its heat but they also showed for the past ten thousand years that earth was much warmer during the holocene optimum which i mentioned yeah. before yeah. the arctic was ice free um around the time stonehenge was built and temperatures i mean look at the cooled. last 850. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the last this graph is for the past thousand years, they showed that Earth was very warm around you know a thousand years ago. Then we had this warm period in the 1940s, and then and then it cooled dramatically after that. Well, that cooling has been erased, as has been all all the Holocene optimum has been erased in the last six weeks by Michael Mann, who also erased the medieval warm period. In the, in the last six weeks, literally, like he's oh, yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's been lots of discussion in the past six weeks since Biden became president that there wasn't really a Holocene optimum, (laughs) that that all of this warm weather didn't exist. Um, This was Michael Mann's hockey stick. He got rid of the medieval warm period. He got rid of the Little Ice Age and created this hockey stick of warming, which included deleting... Most of this was based on proxy data, like from tree rings. But he deleted the inconvenient data after 1940 because it didn't show what he wanted it to show. So he just got rid of it.
3: <laughs> All right. Tonight we've got Joanne DiMaggio with us. She's a past life therapist and an author. With She's got incredible experience in esoteric and spiritual training. But the latest book is Edgar Casey and the Unfulfilled Destiny of Thomas Jefferson Reborn, which examines um, all the reasons why prediction never happened. But also it's a very, very, very interesting story. So I won't really go back into, into your bio too much, Joanne, because it's, it's like two pages long of all kinds of experience and training and organization. So feel free to talk about that as we go along. And, okay. uh, and I'll mention a little bit of in the intro. So thanks for joining us.
4: I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. I mean,
3: I'd like to start off with my favorite part because we've had, these, we've had authors on before where the, this pivotal moment in their life related to the book has happened through synchronicities or these crazy instant, like that cannot be true almost, you know? I mean, yeah. and then, of course, I'm reading your book and I think it starts off with something very similar, right? I mean, a, a, you know, an, a, an event that's life-changing in a way. And it leads to creative work.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I first heard about um, T.J. Davis uh, in 1987 when I first joined the ARE, which is the Edgar Casey's organization, the Association for Research and Enlightenment. Uh, And a friend of mine who knew that I was interested in both history and in reincarnation topics said to me, did you know that Edgar Casey did a... A life reading on a baby boy when he was just two days old and he said that he had been Thomas Jefferson and Alexander the Great. (laughs) And I was like, wow, uh, I'd like to talk to this, this fellow. Um, so I, I, I studied his reading and I just became fascinated and I contacted a few people over at the ARE to see if they'd introduce us and they would not introduce us. Um, and so, um, So I kind of put it on the back of my my mind that I I probably wouldn't meet him. Um, I think of myself as a reporter for the universe. So when I when I get an idea a a story presents itself to me, I'm like a dog with a bone, you know. I've gotta, I've gotta get it. I've gotta get to it. I really wanted to know what was it like growing up when you have the world's most renowned psychic of the 20th century tell you that you had been Thomas Jefferson. And not only that. But in that reading, he said, this soul can do for the world what Jefferson did for this country. And I thought, oh, my goodness, how in the world did that affect his life? That's why I wanted to meet him and I wanted to talk to him just to do an article. But um, but like I said, every time I tried to, to find him or reach out to him, um, I had one obstacle after the other thrown in front of me. And then finally, um, uh, I moved to Charlottesville from, I grew up in the Chicago area. I moved to Charlottesville in 1995, unbeknownst to me, he had moved to Charlottesville just, I think a, a year or two before that. And, um, out of the blue, um, uh, a, um, uh, another past life therapist that I had met who was working at the university of Virginia medical center said to me, uh, called me and he said, um, I told a friend of mine about you and she'd like to invite you and your family over to dinner. And I said, Oh, okay. And, uh, and then, um, I got the phone call and she said, this is, uh, she told me your name and she said, um, my husband, TJ Davis, and I would like to invite you to dinner. (laughs) And so I was like, the universe has divinely orchestrated our meeting. And, uh, and I remember thinking, this is, this is just incredible how this all came together. So I went to his home and, and we had dinner. And at that dinner, he revealed to me about the reading that he, that he had been Jefferson. I already knew that, but I didn't want to let on that. I did, but, but he told me, and then we became friends after that.
3: Wow. That's fantastic. So was, did it, did TJ, his name TJ was, was it all, his name was TJ before the reading?
4: No, Mr. Casey named him. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He named him Thomas Jefferson Davis.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Interesting. Yeah.
3: So what yeah, else well, happened that, that first meeting? Did you, did you get into it all at all, any of his uh, experiences or anything like that?
4: No, he didn't really talk about it at all. Um, he was sort of really shy about it. Um, and, and I got the impression he didn't tell too many people uh, about, this, about this reading um but what we ended up finding out later as we got to know each other was that it was our common connection to Edgar Casey and the Casey material that was the foundation for our friendship it had very little to do with with Jefferson and he never really spoke that much about Thomas Jefferson so um i had i had said to him wouldn't you like to share your story with other people at the ARE? I know that they would eat this up because, you know, there aren't that many living recipients of a Casey reading because Casey died in 1945. And uh, he did this reading on TJ when he, in 1936. So, um, you know, as the years go by, we're, there are fewer and fewer people who actually had a reading reading. Um, By Edgar Casey, and so I said, you know, not only did he have a reading, but he lived with the Casey house in the Casey household for the first eight and a half years of his life, and the things that he saw there and the what he learned from Casey, who was his his mentor and his teacher, was just so fabulous that I said, you've got to share this with people. He was a little reticent about doing it, but he did eventually um, uh, come. We I was doing these little conversations with T.J. Davis evenings and uh, and people were flocking and it was interesting because his his charisma was such that people would hang on his every word uh he really um he really was a big hit with people and um you know he talked about all of his experiences living with the Caseys and what Mr. Casey taught him and and I started recording those and then I talked to him later about you know this would make a really great book. And he said, OK. And he gave me permission to go to the Edgar Casey Foundation um, archives. This is the vault where all of the readings are kept and all the files on each living recipient of a reading. And he gave me the permission to go there and to go through his file, which was something like three feet deep. And it took me eight years of going back and forth and sandwiching in all the material that I could uh, in order to Come up with a chronological uh, sequence of events in his life uh, and then put that in the form of a book that was just recently published. Wow, that's fantastic. In TJ's Life. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so on his, the, It's on the years he spent with Mr. Casey. That's the primary focus. The first half of the book, uh, I go year by year, 1936, 37, 38, all the way to 45 when Mr. Casey died. And then the second half of the book are. Uh, so the first half is all historic documentation that was taken from the archives uh, and from all the letters that Mr. Casey wrote and those around him, those in the circle, his aunt Gladys, who was. Gladys Davis was um Casey's secretary, that's how TJ got to him in the first place. Um and um uh TJ's parents were Gladys's brother Boyd and his wife Berlin. Uh and then anybody else that would um that would uh, write to Mr. Casey or who knew who knew TJ by his reading number by the way, which is 1208. So if anybody is a, is a uh, member of the ARE, they can actually go into the file in, in online and, and read his reading. Um, uh, so, yeah, so that yeah. Uh, it took that long to get this whole thing put together. So TJ
0: must've been pretty old, I guess, then, when you were talking to him when he,
4: yeah, he's still alive.
0: Is he still alive? So he must be yeah, pushing 90. He's
4: 84.
0: he's 84.
4: He'll be 85 in uh, June. Wow. So how did
0: you, you guys said, you said the Edgar Casey connection was, was the thing that sparked right away. What was your, can you expand on that? What was your interest in Edgar Casey, and how did that come to be?
4: Well, I, I, I first got interested in the Casey material in 1987. Um, that's the year that Shirley MacLaine's book, Out on a Limb, was made into a miniseries. I remember it was January. They ran it a couple of nights on ABC. And um, that was like my big wake up call because I had been studying, um, I'd been reading books about reincarnation as a teenager, um, but I was born and raised Catholic, so that wasn't exactly encouraged. <laughs> so, um, but that always made a lot of sense to me. And um, after Shirley McLean's miniseries came out, she's talking about her own experiences with reincarnation. I felt like this was a calling for me that I wanted to, to learn as much as I could possibly learn. And the I joined the ARE, I was looking for like-minded people, like-minded organizations, like where can I go <laughs> to find people who, you know, I could talk to and not have to edit everything that I'm saying. Um, and I could learn from. And so ARE was the answer for me. So I became a member and began studying, uh, the Casey readings and the teachings and, um, Eventually I uh, went to Atlantic University which is the school that Mr. Casey started the same year that he started the ARE and I got my master's in transpersonal studies um, through that uh, through that or, uh, that school and um, I've just been a part of it ever since I've been actively involved with it I, I head up a group here in in the Charlottesville area, we do programs here. I bring in speakers from all over the country, uh, you know, keeping the Casey material out in the forefront. Uh, and TJ having been tutored by Mr. Casey, you know, we had the most fascinating conversations and, um, uh, he just furthered my, my education, uh, in this area. And, uh, to listen to somebody who actually sat at the foot of the master, so to speak, uh, was, was just, was such a privilege to me. It still is, you know, I think that um, he's still uh, one of the most compelling speakers I've ever heard. Um, He lives very much like a recluse though. He lives up on a mountain alone. Sounds good. Uh, Yeah. And uh, doesn't have internet access. (laughs) Sounds even better. Uh, Otherwise I have him on zoom with me, but uh, uh, (laughs) yeah. 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 I'd like to be up He to actually mountain. see Monticello. He can actually see Monticello, the Jefferson's home, from where he lives. If he goes to the top of his mountain, he gets his binoculars out. He used to say that he could look down at all the people visiting his old home, and and, and sometimes he would get a little a little jealous and say, "Hey, that's my house. I should. <laughs> why why can't I live there? Why am I living over here?" <laughs> you know. So it's quite fascinating.
3: So for people that aren't that familiar with Edgar Casey's work, what were some of the cases that, that, that stood out to you when you first, or maybe not even when you first started with the organization, but even now that people might want to know about?
4: Well, you know, Edgar Casey was known for doing, um, primarily doing health readings. He did 14,000 plus readings in his life. And out of those 14,000, wow. 12,000 of them were health readings. So people were coming to him from all over or sending him letters because they had a chronic illness and traditional medicine was not able to cure it or, or even address it. And Casey would, you know, go into this trance and need connect with his spirit, uh, his source, and or the Akashic records, and then he would give them a remedy, and those remedies were so far ahead of, of anything that we knew uh, f- from a medical perspective that we're just catching up now. I mean, you could you could still get the original recipes that that Casey um, gave in those readings for about any kind of of illness or or chronic uh, situation that you might have, um, and so. Then all of a sudden, um, someone asked him a question and uh, he started giving them information about a past life. And it startled him because now Casey was a very Christian man. He taught Sunday school, he read the Bible for every year of his life. And so for him to suddenly start talking about, um, you know, a person's past lives, it threw him for a loop. And for two weeks, he quit. He wouldn't do any readings. And then he slowly accepted the whole concept and uh and started doing those readings and and that's how uh when when t j was brought to him when Gladys brought him over um because they thought he was going to die he had uh his parent his mother was an alcoholic, and so the way he tells it he was sloshing around in her womb in all this alcohol, so when he came out he was like a piece of wood. the doctor said he won 't live more than two days, so she wrapped him up, brought him to. Casey who TJ calls the man of miracles and then Casey did a reading a, a health reading and the, you know and he gave him the um, the life reading as well about his he gave him four past lives that that he had um but and two of those like i said were were famous so so with the Casey material i i really didn't um get too much into the uh health readings i i i've researched some of them uh and but but I'm certainly not an expert on them. It was the life readings, those 2000 life readings that he gave where he was telling people about their past lives um that I found in, in uh very helpful because I pulled out information that he would give on um you know on karma or grace or you know the story of creation or any of the esoteric kind of of, uh, information that I felt would be helpful in my work. And so, um, I have a whole library now of, uh, of Casey material and, uh, and I use it, uh, quite often in my work.
3: That's fascinating. So the the past life healing thing has always been interesting to us. Like I've heard so many stories about people, just the acknowledgement of a past life can solve some sort of health problem. So was, is that, is the healing part of the past life regressions in the past life therapy a newer contemporary kind of thing or was Casey doing that in a healing aspect as well when he when he got into the life readings
4: yeah well he he would combine them because he would tell some people um uh you know the reason that you're obese now is because in your past life as blah 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 uh you made fun of people that were obese or you starved to death in that life and now you're you know, needing to fill yourself up uh, excessively. Uh, somebody that was blind, he told them that they had blinded their enemies with hot pokers in a previous life. So it was really all about balance. It was about, uh, you know, you reap what you sow kind of thing. Um, the What I have found in my work, I did a research project on chronic uh, conditions. I invited anybody that had a chronic condition that wanted to participate in a research project. I had volunteers, about 50 of them. And they came, and they had everything from diabetes to heart disease, a lot of limb joint issues. I had some mental health issues, alcohol, drugs, um, and arthritis was another one. And... um, I did this study with all of them to see if if when we uncovered the past life where this condition originated, would it create a spontaneous healing? Uh And in about 30 percent of the people who came to my research study, it did. Wow. um, And then I had a good percentage that had an improvement, at least oftentimes if you just know the origin of what it is you're dealing with. Like, where did this start? Where did this come from? Just knowing it creates a shift in your consciousness. You accept it. So your perspective on it changes. And that in and of itself is a healing. So, um, yeah, my book is called Uh, Karma Can Be a Real Pain. Uh, And uh, in that I chronicle um, 25 or how many uh, my publisher would let me put in that particular book. Uh, And... um, And that was really, really, really fascinating. I had one man who came to me. He had arthritis only in his thumbs. No other place on his body, just his thumbs. And when he went to his past life, found out that he was a a soldier in the Civil War. He was on the um, Confederate side. And he liked to uh, wield his sword, his saber, and cut off the thumbs of the union no way soldiers so that they couldn't hold a gun or they couldn't hold a sword and so now what happens he's got arthritis only in his thumbs wow so there was one story like that after the other that um and you know when i do these research what i love about the research projects is that it's not me you know pontificating about you should believe this because i'm telling you this i'm letting people tell their own stories and that makes it all the more credible. So it was a fascinating fascinating uh project that I that I worked on with the with the physical um conditions.
3: Yeah, that's especially chronic ones because they don't seem there, there doesn't seem to be yeah. anything in the medical community that can help a lot of this stuff. I mean pe- people go for months, undiagnosed, years undiagnosed trying all these different things and it just doesn't work. So did that yeah. did that help his thumbs in that case? Like did he did did the acknowledgement of that help in any way? Do you remember?
4: I don't remember what his response yeah, was. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I had one woman who was having night terrors. Um, she kept, um, uh, she would get wake every other night. She was a 71-year-old psychiatric nurse. And she would be woke up every, every, every other night thinking that she was in a uh, uh, concentration camp. She thought that this life had to take place in the Holocaust because she had um, everything that was happening to her fit that scenario. You know, she didn't. She was cold. She didn't have any clothes. She didn't have enough to eat. She was ab- uh, abused. She saw children being. I mean, it was just the whole, the whole gamut, the whole list. We found out that that she wasn't in the Holocaust. She actually, that lifetime had taken place prior to that, but the circumstances were similar to what she would have experienced had she been in a concentration camp. And the and right after she found out that this is where it came from, she never had a nightmare again. No more night terrors, it completely cleared up. And she and her husband came when I had my book launch and um they came up to me, really sweet couple, and just she had just tears in her eyes. She says I cannot tell you how much this has meant to me that um you know, that 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 this is gone now, finally. And that's what past life work does, actually. You know, it's not like your traditional psychotherapy where you have to go week after week after week after week. With with uh, past life therapy, usually one session does it because it gets right to the heart of the matter, right to the origin of the problem that you're working on. So it's, uh, as, a, as a healing tool, a transformational tool, I haven't found anything quite like it.
3: Wow. That's fascinating. So is there times when people have, re- re- uh, multiple past lives with the same thing going on, like the same chronic issues
4: going on? Yeah. They usually, the pattern will repeat itself in subsequent yeah. lifetimes yeah. And until they, until they realize what its origin is. And then they deal with the issue that brought it out in the first place. Yeah. So, um, you know, So they're working on that karmic
0: pattern from yeah. lifetime to lifetime. Wow, that's so fascinating. Have you got into any of the stuff I used to love? And I remember a few years ago trying to get, find someone on the show. I can't remember their names. There was a few people who were doing that past life stuff. But I always loved the stories of the kids because, I mean, when my kids were younger, they used to talk about stuff all the time. Oh, when I was your dad or when I was yeah. your mom, we, we used to do this and you were used to do that. And you take all that with a grain of salt, but there's all those stories of these kids that used to say stuff. And then, and then these people have like tracked down this and not famous people, just these rudimentary people in some town that got shot where this kid said he got shot. Have you looked into that kind of stuff at all with your past life stuff?
4: I don't deal with children. Um, uh, so I, I mean, I know about it because I've read, uh, enough studies about it. And I am here in Charlottesville where, Dr. Ian Stevenson, Stevenson yeah, was who's at the it. university of Virginia and he studied all about the past lives of children. So, yeah, but that's pretty common. I, I keep looking, I have uh, two grandchildren under the age of five and I keep, <laughs> I keep hoping they're going to say something, <laughs> you know, cause uh, that would be something I would, I would just love to have a conversation with them about it, but it hasn't come up yet.
0: Do you think that lends to some sort of soul family? Well, I wasn't gonna say soul family, just something about once we're adults and indoctrinated down our various paths, whatever that is, you know, whether it's a religion or a science or just your parents saying, Come on, that's fucking crazy. You know, do you think that sort of shuts that off? Or what do you think what do you think the difference is between someone who can just recall that Someone who's able to recall it with with help or people that just, you know, nothing there. Or is there any? I mean, I've never done a past life regression, so maybe there isn't anyone who's got nothing there. Maybe everyone has one. I don't know. Maybe I have um, one.
4: Well, um, children start to forget around the age of five. Um, And then the memory starts to get because that's when they they are actually getting more and more indoctrinated into the physical realm. You know, we're all spiritual beings having a physical experience. And uh, so they get settled in their little bodies and then they're influenced by what goes on at school or their friends or their family. And, um, you know, it starts to fade away. My grandson is four and he tells me about, um, uh, a friend of his called bogey bogo. And, uh, of course, nobody can see bogey bogo except for my grandson. So, um, so I sit there and talk to him about him, you know, because I, I thought well that's his spirit friend and I'm not ever going to use the term imaginary friend to a child. They're not imagining it. They actually can see that, that spirit with them. So, um, so I think it's really important how, how parents uh, parents need to keep an open mind, allow them to explore. you know um, sh- surely not everyone is going to remember any all of this, but we all have the, the capability of remembering it. We were all given memory triggers in our pre-life planning session. So before you came into this body, um, you were given some memory triggers so that you know when they would come up, Uh, you would, you'd have a glimpse. Like, you know, I also do um, like the resonance method of past life recall, which does not use hypnosis for people that are a little uh, concerned about that, but you just play detective and you start to match up the things in your life now. Um, You know, what are your interests? What, what did you want to be at Halloween every year? Um, What kind of books do you like? What kind of music do you like? What kind of culture? I've always been drawn to the 18th century. 18th century American history was like my wheelhouse. That's was my thing, and um, and that started when I was about eight or nine years old. And um, you know, I, that's one of the reasons I'm in Virginia now because I followed a past life here. So um, so those those memories are there. But unless you you know, most people I think, especially in the West. Uh, don't this is not part of, of their everyday thinking. So they can go through their entire life without ever even questioning that. You know, they'll have a deja vu experience over and over again, but they won't question it. They yeah. won't say, well, I wonder why. Why do I feel this way? Why am I getting these chills when I'm, you know, over in this particular location? Um, why do I have to go on vacation to the same place every year? Because I can't get enough of this place. Um, there's all kinds of clues that we have. Um, and when I do regressions, I will say that about 99% are successful. I do have a few where they have blockages and they can't get past them. So they can't see, but that might be because they're not ready to. So, um, but the majority, um, even if they come in and they're skeptical, like, I don't know if I believe in this or not. Uh, they, and they all think that they're imagining it or they're making it out yeah, or whatever. Yeah. whatever but they're not. And I assure them that they're not. Um, And, um, and it's been a wonderful tool. There's so many aha moments, you know, where we're going through this, oh, now everything makes sense. (laughs) And, uh, and I love it. It's very humbling for me to go on that experience with people.
0: What's that process like of going through uh, a, a regression?
4: What's the process like?
0: Yeah,
3: from a, from a perspective
4: from a, of the a, patient.
0: From a perspective of the patient, yeah. If like Graham was the patient,
4: um, well, uh, is it
0: like? A, is it like? Because you said it was non-hypnotic.
3: Well, no, the resonance method is non-hypnotic, but you also do the.
4: I do the ones, traditional right? yeah, yeah. with hypnosis. Oh, with hypnosis, I, I call it guided imagery. Right, and it's, and all that is is being in a state of total relaxation.
0: So, so that's not know, like the you're not waving a thing back and forth and so in front of someone or anything like that. No.
4: <laughs> and I can't make you bark like a dog <laughs> or cluck like a hen. It's more of a guided no, meditation uh, type thing. It's a meditation is really what it is. Um so I just uh get you to do some deep breathing, get you to relax completely and I I keep uh I the first part of the session is, the, is is doing exactly that, is helping you to relax. I, I want you to get into that that feeling, you know, when you first wake up in the morning and you're lying in bed, your eyes are closed, but you're awake, you know where you are, you could get up if you want, you can hear things that are going on around you, but you're so comfortable, you feel so deep in that bed that you don't wanna move. So that's, that's the physical sensation that I'm going for. And uh, so we work on that. I use a a visual of having people walk into a forest. In the forest, there's a bridge. They go to the other side of the bridge. When they get to the other side of the bridge, they're in their the the past life that is most impacting them today. Because we've had many, 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 many past lives, but you're not working on issues from all of those lives. So, um, yeah. So I'll take them to that, and then. Uh, then I'll start asking them questions, you know, about what they look like. And, uh, and then they tell me their story and we go through the death scene as if they were watching a movie. And then you ask them, I ask them the important questions of, you know, what was, what's the last thing you were thinking as your soul left your body at that moment of death, because that often sets up the next lifetime. Um, I had a woman who came to me. She had head to toe psoriasis. She wanted to know the source of it. So she went to a past life and when she was a call girl in the Old West. And uh, when she died, her last thought was, I don't want to be touched anymore. So in this life, she creates a skin, she manifests a skin condition, in which nobody wants to touch her. Wow. So, um, so that's why I say, so we, we go through that. And then I'll ask them, uh, well, what do you have in common with your? past life personality? What is, are there any parallels or behavior patterns? And then are there any people from that life that are in your life now? So I, I do several different types of regressions. They're all on my website, by the way, which is joandamajo.com Uh, If people are interested in doing a regression on zoom, they can go on my website, read about the different types of sessions I do and then just book it.
3: I was, yeah. I was going to ask if they can do it and book it on zoom and do that. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I, I gave up my office when COVID hit, yeah, and I've been doing them on, on Zoom ever since, and I have found, actually, that doing them on Zoom is actually better, because people are in their home environment, oh, and right. they relax yeah, much yeah. easier. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Wow, yeah. that's that's so interesting. So the... Uh, and you,
4: you can tape them.
3: Yeah, there you go. And you can record them, too.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I give them a transcript, a written transcript.
3: The... Yeah the
4: resonance for you in the
3: 1800s, is that because you think that, um, like, is that, was that lifetime more important to you than all the other past lives you had? Like, why would one resonate more than the other? Or is there some, some people that have multiple ones that resonate the same, that kind of thing?
4: Because there were issues that came up in that life that I decided before I became Joanne in this life, I decided, you know, that's unfinished business. I have to finish that up. I have to finish. You know, I think of earth as a school. Okay. And that we are, uh, we have a curriculum and we're working on this curriculum and those are your karmic issues. And, you know, we're working toward resolving them, healing them, applying them, whatever to get them over with, get them out of the way, done. Cause once they're done, you don't have to deal with them ever again. So um, the issues that I was dealing with from that life were acceptance and approval. That were two of the issues. And so I came and designed this life in which I would have to work on those issues. So I chose my parents with that in mind. My members of my soul family came forward and said, we're going to come in with you and we're going to work on those issues with you, you know, and, um, and, and, Somebody said to me once. I think I think it was a an, another past life therapist that I was working with, and, and uh, I was told that about eighty five percent of who I am today is the result of that one lifetime. I had brought that much baggage with me. Oh yeah, right. Okay. This life, yeah. uh, which I think is the other reason why I wanted to be a, a past life researcher and therapist, because I wanted to understand my own um, my own journey. So that I could help others. And so, um, I worked on that past life a long, I mean, it, it was that strong that it, it compelled me to, to, you know, relocate my entire family from the Chicago suburbs to Charlottesville, Virginia. And they came kicking and screaming, believe me. <laughs> and I didn't want to say to them, ah, mommy has, is looking at, a healing a past life, um, But no, now, I mean, that happened, that was in 1995. So, I mean, they've forgiven me since then. I actually turned out to be the best thing we ever did. But anyway, um, that's how strong past life memories can be. It it will compel you to, um, you know, if you're really getting into it, that you could, you know, make some very drastic decisions and and change your life. And as it turned out, I, I started meeting people here that I knew from then. And, um, on a soul level, we were connecting and it was, uh, I mean, that's a book unto itself. Believe me, if I ever decide to, was, to share that I with was, anybody, I was
3: just going to ask you about that, about the soul family and how you, do you help people connect with their soul family and how does that work? Like, how can people, you know, we've heard about it quite a bit, I think, but how do you figure out who that is?
4: Well, um, you know, we travel together as a, as a pod so we're with the same souls from from the beginning of creation when we first came into a physical body. We've been with the same group over and over and over and over again, lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. So they know us pretty darn good i mean they they just know all of the buttons to press, they know everything we're working on uh and what happens is we we come together again. Uh, in a life but we change our gender and we change our role so your mother in this life could have been your husband in a previous life or your sister in this life could have been your father in a previous life or you know we come in as friends so we make the decision to come in together uh, in that pre-life planning session Um, there's a lot that goes on when you're in the afterlife between lives and you're planning the next life and you're going okay I'm going to, for my curriculum, I'm going to work on X, Y, and Z. And then you, you choose your parents so that the parents that you choose, you are, you know, the environment that you're going to be born into, uh, the socioeconomic status, you're going to know your, your race, your, um, uh, you know, what religion you'll be brought up in, what part of the world you'll be living in. Uh, and our soul family comes in and they'll say, okay, um, I'm going to be your grandmother and I'm going to help you learn unconditional love. That's my job in your life. And so, all these, these souls that are in your life, and they could be relatives, friends, teachers, mentors, uh, they have a specific role that they signed up for to help you, to help your soul reach the, um, you know, finish up that karmic issue um, because they want you to move on. All of us want we all want to move on. Uh, And so they they come in and they'll present challenges to us sometimes and we won't like them very much when that happens. Uh, But they'll also come in as a support system. So when you know that when you know that they're doing what they're doing because they love you, it's uh, on a soul level, you can start to learn to forgive better about what's going on in the physical
3: end of it how many people are we talking about here how many souls together are we talking like 50 or 100 or is it like
4: it depends they come and go um i haven't had anybody uh ever give me a number of how many uh but you know you've got the ones that are really really close to you and then then it spirals out okay and yeah, yeah. And, you know yeah
3: yeah You might, when you bump into somebody that you think you've known already, maybe he's on the farther end of the spiral, you know, like you might've bumped into him on a couple lives, but you weren't super close. Yeah. 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 That's that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So you must've, um, actually sticking on that for a bit, if you don't mind me asking a kind of a little more deeper or esoteric or sort of secret question have you heard about um secret question the bloodlines and the uh, the elite kind of like planning their lives in these long games like let's say let's say you know um somebody that runs uh a country in Europe or something like that or like he's a uh, you know he? an elite just for for this example yeah, <laughs> you know and 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 they plan they know that they know that they're going to be reincarnating into the same, they, they try and reincarnate in the same bloodline.
0: Are you talking about that Charles? Very
4: rarely, that very rarely happens. Um, uh, I studied Dr. Michael Newton's material because um, he's really the expert on life between lives. And, um, and I address this when I do my, my talks. It's very seldom that you come back into the same biological family. What, what, even um, if 10 and in some like, cultures they do believe that you do yeah. but for the most part you don't because think about it that would really stunt your growth um and you know it, it's important that we experience life uh in all different countries in all different races all different um you know ethnic backgrounds um poor rich uh I'll whatever you can, uh, mix it up. So, you know, like my family's really into ancestry.com and I told them, I said, you know, you got to do a lot more than swab your cheek to find out what your soul's journey has been. (laughs) Um, so, um, so yeah, I mean, like I know that some of the indigenous peoples believe that they come back. I know, uh, in Asia, they believe that, um, there's all kinds of stories like you were mentioning earlier about children. A lot of them, like in India, you know they'll they'll remember being so and so and they'll be able to find the family and then they amaze them by telling them things that nobody else could have known uh except for the person that had died uh so yeah there's there's that going on, but by far that is rare, and the most people are just go into a completely different biological family. Hmm. How have you?
3: Noticed in the last couple decades. I mean, since this, you know, you, you joined ARE in the, the late eighties type thing. And I mean, mm-hmm. there's been a big shift in sort of materialism and the acceptance of other realms and unseen worlds and psychics and uh, past lives. I mean, I, I feel like, cause we've been doing the show for now, eight years coming up on eight years and. And I feel like it's really opened up in the last, you know, eight to 10, 15 years. I mean, I know, you know, I I was kind of interested about in this in the 80s and the 90s a bit too, but I feel like it's really sort of come into its own. Have you noticed a big shift?
4: Yeah, because I'll tell you the truth. The most people who come to me now are are asking the same identical question. Why am I here? I don't know why I'm here, especially during COVID. Like, why did I why am I here during COVID of all times? I mean, you know, did, couldn't I have picked a better time to be here? Well, no, you, you deliberately, you know, chose to be here now. Um, and there's a reason for that. There's a lesson in all of that. So um, yeah, it's becoming a little bit more mainstream than it was when I started, but it's still not mainstream enough where I don't feel like I I don't openly share like with my neighbors. (laughs) I don't really tell them what I do, Uh, you know, but um, but I belong to Unity Church and and I can freely talk about it there without uh, any hesitation. And I am getting clients from like all over the world and um, and they're all seeking. They're all it's really it's really quite beautiful to watch the the desire that they have to understand their journey better. journey of their soul to understand that their soul is immortal and that it just keeps we change our bodies like you know if you have a car and you you know you you maintain it for year after year after year eventually that car is just you can't maintain it anymore you're going to have to trade it in and that's what we do with our bodies um so if you think of it that way uh it's a little bit um makes a lot more sense. I think reincarnation makes sense. I think that the idea of a of a just and loving god is more representative in in the theories of reincarnation with karma, you know, cause and effect, uh rather than sin, you know, cuz like I said I grew up catholic with sin, go to confession, tell them what you did, say 10 our fathers, 10 Hail Marys and that's it, it's over with. That's not the way karma works. So, um you know, sooner or later, you will um, you'll need to address that issue. And everything that we ever think, say, do is all in the Akashic Records, which is the universe's supercomputer. Yeah. So there's no getting away with anything. It's all there. Uh, and so um, and it's and it's all available to us. You know, it's not like it's being hidden away, and 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 we're not entitled, or we have to be somebody special to be able to get this information. And that's not the case at all. It's there for everybody. It's in the cloud.
0: It's a, yeah. In the cloud. Then, that's hopefully, right. Hopefully, we don't get cancels. <laughs> How does? Um, what if? What if you want to? What if you want to? Is there any way to sort of? Cause obviously there's a the healing aspect of it, but what about just sort of, uh, op- know, knowledge? Well, optimizing knowledge, I guess, like, is it stuck to, is it stuck to earth? Cause is this where channeling starts to creep in? Maybe where people say they're seeing other planets or is it, is it only humans or is there, is it going in, in between species and stuff like that?
4: Well, um, Edgar Casey said, whatever is begun on the earth has to be completed on the earth. Um, we do uh travel to other planetary systems uh in between lives, um, or when we're finished here on earth, when we've finished every single course we could possibly take, we've learned everything we could possibly learn, don't need to come back anymore. Uh, you know, we're free to go elsewhere. Um many souls who Don't need to reincarnate, reincarnate anyway, because they want to come to the earth and they want to be of service. They want to help. Uh, So they they'll come back again um, when they don't need to. I have had. Less than five people in the 34 years I've been doing this work um, who have said they're from another planet. um, And they're pretty much talking about uh, their loneliness uh uh but but that just does not happen often i've had a couple of people who said they're from atlantis they had lifetimes in atlantis or lemuria um but mostly it's just your average you know jane doe and john smiths who have had you know hundreds of lifetimes here on earth and are still working on it and uh and want to know you know Why are they here? What's their soul's mission? Um, And then when they find out, uh, it frees them. It frees them to make changes in their life or decisions. I get a lot of healers coming to me because they say, you know, I feel like I'm a natural-born healer, and I want to be doing healing work, but something is stopping me, and I don't know what it is. We go back, and sure enough, they were a healer in a prior lifetime, but then they were persecuted for it. And they see themselves out in the forest and they're gathering herbs and they're looking over their shoulders because they're fearful that somebody's going to see them and snatch them up and, and then uh, hang them or, or burn them at the stake or something like that. And that memory is so strong that it sticks with them. It's a subconscious memory. And when they go to do the healing in this life, they run up against a brick wall, something inside them says, Oh no, 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 Don't you do that. Because Things could go very, very wrong if you do that. And so by uncovering the origin of it, it it releases it for them. And then they're free then to go and pursue what is a natural talent for them, uh, a natural talent, the ability to heal. And so, um, you know, and, and so in that way, you know, it helps people do what they're here to do. And uh, and like I said, for me to facilitate that with someone is a very humbling and gratifying experience
3: that's great what about uh maybe we should circle back to the the book a little bit and and I, didn't you have another encounter with TJ like a, after a few years um a chance encounter in a way that sort of re-instigated everything
4: yeah we um uh, when i initially met him in uh, 1996 um we ended up going uh we were friends for a, a while, and then uh our personal lives started to take us in different directions. He was going through a divorce I was in an, almost a near fatal car accident uh and uh and so I did not see him uh for almost nine years and um then i uh I had taken classes at um Atlantic University, and I decided I was gonna uh so for three years I didn't do anything esoteric, metaphysical. I gave away all my books. It was it oh. was it was basically a near death experience, but I didn't realize that that's what it was. But um, one of the symptoms of a near death experience is that you lose all interest in anything that had gone before, and that's wow. what happened with me. Right. So I'm trying to fight my way back. Uh, three years to the date of when I had that accident, I woke up, and then I was back to being the person I was three years earlier. But by then, I had dismantled my past life research organization. I had not renewed my membership in ARE. I'd given away all my books and all my esoteric friends, my like-minded friends were gone. So I thought, oh, I've got to find my way back. So, you know, so many people will say, Edgar Casey saved their lives. And in this case, he saved mine for sure. So I enrolled in Atlantic University, got re-immersed into the Casey material. And then I started in 2009, I started to do... um ARE programs at our local unity church. So I would bring in speakers from all over the country, uh, to talk about the Casey work. So I was, you know, we would, we would get anywhere from 30 to 120 people at these, these, uh, things anyway, it was in the, um, it was in the venture inward magazine, which is the magazine that the ARE publishes for its members that I was the contact for Charlottesville. And T.J saw that, and he called me, but he didn't remember that I was that jo- the same Joanne that he had known nine years earlier. and so he called me and then um, he called me a second time, and he was laughing, and then I guess he put two and two together and uh, and then he, he, uh, I told him that we were doing a program on uh, near death experience. This was on a Friday, I think, and we were doing it the next day and and he came. To that uh, to that program, and um, but he left before I could connect with him, and he left me a message as he was going home, and he said, "I have to tell you, Mr. Casey must be really proud of you uh, for doing this work." And he said, uh, "So then we rekindled our, our friendship, and then uh, we had long conversations about, you know, doing this as a book." I felt that he was mis- i felt that he was maligned in many ways because. Um, so many people really believed that he was going to save the world, as uh as you know, Casey predicted. But if you go and you read the reading very closely, Mr. Casey said he could do those things provided that he was raised a certain way, that he had a certain education, that certain things happened. And of course, that didn't happen. His parents didn't do what Casey had suggested that they do in raising him. And when Mr. Casey died, TJ was only eight and a half. He was supposed to get a second reading when he was 13. Of course, he didn't get that. So um, his parents still didn't uh, didn't take care of him. He was still living with his aunt Gladys. But at that point, it was all hands on deck to try to save the readings when, after Mr. Casey was gone. And so he got thrown from pillar to post, and he, um, he didn't get the guidance that he needed to to fulfill this prophecy. In my opinion, I think what Mr. Casey was really talking about was that T.J. would share the Casey material with, with the world. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't think it had anything to do with Thomas Jefferson. I think the fact that, that when he says he was Thomas Jefferson, people would just hang on him because they they get starstruck. And, uh, and they would listen to him. So he was the kind of personality that would have people s- sit up and take notice because he has said to me over and over again, he said, Joanne, I could solve all the world's problems. I know exactly how to do it. And I said, really? Well, why don't you share that with us? And I think, the and he said, all the answers that we need are in, are in the readings, are in the Casey readings. So, um, so I really think that was the trajectory that Mr. Casey saw for him. Um, but free will kicked in and his soul went on a whole different path because of the decisions that his, his primarily his mother made for him. So, um, you know, could he have gone on the path when he got to be 18 and he said, Mm -hmm. I'm an adult now I can follow my own guidance. Yeah, he could have, he didn't. So, um, so that's what we talk about in the book is about how a soul, you can be lofty, you can be a Thomas Jefferson, but that doesn't mean that your next life you're going to be equal to or higher than that because we go up and we go down, we lose and we gain, we lose and we gain. Um, and so this was just um, uh, a story of, of love between Mr. Casey and this child, um, because you could see how much he loves, they love each other in the pictures that I have in the book, um, and the, the hours that they spend together and the lessons that Mr. Casey very carefully taught this little boy. He didn't teach that to his own children. You know, but here he is with with um, with little TJ and uh, pouring all this wisdom in that little vessel of a child, you know, with this great hope that he'd be able to share it. And he still can. It's not over yet. You know, I tell TJ, if you would just get out in front of the world and start to talk, um, you could change a lot of lives
3: huh that's that's interesting so did did he he had quite an interesting life anyways, didn't he? i mean very very did lots of different things, lots of traveling i mean interesting yeah, interesting too, synchronicities, travels, yeah. yeah,
4: yeah, he was in the Marine Corps and after the Marine Corps he just started traveling, and a lot of his travels took him to countries where he that he had conquered when he was Alexander. (laughs) So um, a lot of past life stuff was coming up, not only for the Alexander life, but also the Jefferson life. And uh, I talk about all of the things. One of the stories that I really, really love is when he was in, uh, I think he was a freshman in high school Um, and, uh, he was not a very good student and he had to take a final exam and it was in history. And he realized when he read the question that he didn't know the answer. And so he sat there and he thought, I've got to write something because they'll fail me and I'll have to repeat this grade. So he said, he sat there, he said, he said a little prayer to the universe to get some help. Uh, and, uh, and he said, he wrote out the declaration of independence and the statute for religious freedom for Virginia word (laughs) for word. (laughs) and he hands it into the teacher and he says here this is all i know about history and she was flabbergasted and and she was angry with him she says you are so ridiculous and so they suspended him uh <laughs> while they looked into this but they realized he couldn't have cheated because he was sitting right in front of us so they ended up passing him but he has stories like that all through the book that i think people would really enjoy yeah that's hilarious do you
3: think uh do you think there's any way for people before they die, to prepare themselves to remember their past life a little better. Like I can't remember where we talked about this, there, but we had a discussion. You had to write
0: it down and eat it. About right you know before we, had, you die. we had
3: a discussion about that, like prepping yourself or if if you can become aware earlier or or know more about your past lives in the next life. I thought you ate oh, yeah. it, the paper.
4: I, I really, yeah. I, I I don't know that you can do anything. I mean, you can in your pre-life session, you can maybe, um, you know. Uh, try to make that awareness. Work that out with your with your uh, guides. I think it really depends on what culture you're born into, and whether pursuing that um, study would be encouraged or frowned on. Uh, I don't know why I was so fascinated with it, but I think it's because I was supposed to do the work. Um, but um, you know, like I said, in the East, this is common. Uh, I think more so than not that they remember or, or they they accept the theory of reincarnation more much more so than we do in this country. And mostly in this country, it's because we feel that it's um, going against our Christian religion. Although, you know, you could have a whole show about that, about how reincarnation was in the Bible, originally was taken out. Uh, and uh, so... Jesus taught reincarnation. I mean, there's books about that uh, that are out there, but I think that's the primary thing is because there are no religions that I know of um unity unity will let you talk about reincarnation, but even so, it's not like everybody believes in it in the congregation so um so i'm um I'm usually cautious about it but like with like I said, with my grandchildren, you know I'm encouraging them. are uh, you gonna make my know.
0: grandchildren in my will? I'm going to task them with tracking me down again.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, He'll be with again. Before we wrap up, do you want to touch on the letter that TJ wrote back in 1970 that he asked people to judge him on and uh, why you sort of saved that for the end of the book?
4: Yeah. Um, he wrote a letter to Harmon bro. Harmon bro wrote um, a book about uh, Mr. Casey uh, called a seer out of season, uh, the life of Edgar Casey. Um, and in that letter, you know, he said, "If anybody wants to judge him, um, you know, I I'm thinking that if anybody wanted to judge him, to to just read that letter, um, because I felt this this letter was the true essence of of TJ, not not the version of him that so many people were judging him on." Um, and if you read his words, you can see all the hope for the future that Edgar Casey saw in TJ when he was a, a baby, um, and uh, I just thought it was a beautiful, beautiful letter and very fitting for the end of the book.
3: Great. Well, this has been a fun chat. Well, me too. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I love how we explored all the all the all your other stuff about uh, past maybe lives we've done and, it before. Yeah, exactly.
4: <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Repeat.
3: <laughs> and I might, uh, I might contact you for a reading for uh some friends. Wonderful. Yeah. And we, so we can just do that from the website, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. My dot is It's okay. J-O-A-N-N-E-D-I-M-A-G-G-I-O.com. Okay. And uh I have all the different types of sessions that I do, including soul writing. I teach soul writing, which is a, written form of meditation. I add that to um, some of my uh, uh, past life work. Um, so you could read about that. And there's some blogs on there that are interesting, some case studies. Um, so I just had it redone during COVID and uh, brought myself into the 21st century where things could be done online rather than uh, uh, the, old, the old fashioned way. Yeah. So I'm really, Hey, your site looks good.
3: It looks good. I was checking it out before the show. If
0: Graham does a past life regression, would you
4: record it for me and sell it to me? I sell it to you? No, I don't sell it to you. Oh. I, 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 if we do it on Zoom, you know, I'll give him permission to record it. Um, but I always do a uh, a transcript uh, and I send a written transcript of what of, of the session. And the reason I don't record them on a regular basis is because Spirit always erases my recordings. I don't know why, but I gave up. I figured they don't want me recording any of this. So I give up and uh, I just do the, I'm old school. I could take shorthand. So oh, I can I keep up with Oh, is months. that really,
3: is that what you do? You just take notes as we go along? I can't oh, yeah. even oh. read my own notes. <laughs> I think so. I've done group past life sessions before and I've done a, and and something came up with me the year ten ten I think. Wait, and is I that had, what we did at Jay's that my, time? No, that was different. That was medium. That was like medium ship. And I have this chronic uh, left arm injury that I broke. I broke my left arm when I was five, and and I and I think it was from holding a shield back in the like in the <laughs> the Templar <laughs> Templar days. Like it goes back that far. It of course does. he does. <laughs> you never know. This guy is yeah. convinced he's a Viking. <laughs> no, I was not a Viking in then, but maybe I was, you know, fighting Viking. Maybe maybe that's you it was fell like. on the path while you were running away from Viking. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. But I've done, and I've done single um, past lives as well. But I, but they, it was really tough for me to realize it. Was it real or was I imagining it? Just like you said, it just felt. But there was a few of those, and that was back in the nineties, at late nineties, I think. But Darren, so Darren, maybe you should do it this time. Do what? Do have have your past life read. <laughs>
0: Was I always yeah. an Indian? You think? Yeah, no, no. no? Change race. And...
4: Yeah. Huh.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe he I
4: It Works must... for everybody, so almost
3: everybody.
0: But. But I thought I was getting told about a past life at Jay's house.
3: Oh, you might have been, but I, I don't remember that. Did she was bringing. She was bringing it. other people into to our our. She lost circle. me. Yeah. <laughs> she lost me. But good luck
0: with your book. But you did not lose me, Joanne. This has been fantastic. Yeah.
4: Thank you so much. I, I've enjoyed every moment.
3: Yeah, right on. And we'll talk to you soon.
0: Yeah, we'll bye. be in touch soon for sure. Thanks, Joanne.
4: Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: Now was a chat with Joanne Dimaggio. What would you think, Dimaggio? Yeah,
3: yeah. Dimaggio. I, yeah. F- I like the soul writing part too. That's uh, kind of reminds me of the artist way. My mom was doing that for a while. Function artist. The artist way. Like way. it's uh, forcing yourself to write a couple pages or a few minutes every day. And I think it brings out your creativity and gets you to release a bunch of stuff. Cause it's hard. I mean, imagine sitting there writing, having to write two pages a day. I, I used, used to, to do anything
0: for a while. I used to do the three gratitudes every day.
3: Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I and I used to, to the-
0: even like go one step further and do them like about people I was especially upset with.
3: That's good. Now Find gonna- something you're grateful for about that. Yeah. About them.
0: Yeah, I don't do it anymore. I feel like now I can just do it. I don't yeah. need to write it down Yeah, anymore. but that's a good start, but that's probably because you were writing it That's how I was able down. to transition. I, mean, yeah. I forced myself to do it every day when I wake up miserable, and now I just don't wake up miserable anymore, and I feel like I live in a state of being grateful. Wow. Most of the time. Come a long way. Other times I'm like, fuck this shit. This <laughs> sucks.
3: It was, I think it was this morning or yesterday morning when I woke up and I was like, oh, fuck, because I've I was dreaming. I've been dreaming a lot lately. Oh boy, and, uh, it's
0: your dream world and is better than your life. I'm starting
3: to record them. <laughs> I'm starting to record them, and I and I and I went to bed after the snooze button, and, I, and it came so fast, and I kind of swore. I was like, "Oh fuck!" And I rolled out of bed, and I thought, "No, I'm not gonna start like that." And I said a little prayer: "God, please help me stay clean and sober again today." And and I kind of just got out of that that negative state. I really tried to like, okay, I'm gonna start that over. Yeah, uh, I can't, can't start your day over any time. I can't remember
0: the last time I got out of bed miserable.
3: Wow. Hmm. Good for you.
0: I go to bed earlier and I don't watch TV. I'm sure that plays a role. Yeah. Sometimes I wake up with a headache if I eat too much ice cream. Wow. I'm, I'm thinking this milk is a problem. Wow. It's the one thing I can't ever get off. I just love that shit so much. It's so good when it hits your lips.
3: Maybe you got to look into your past life on why milk is so good, but it's so bad for you. (laughs) (laughs) We should have (laughs) asked about the animals.
0: Maybe you're... (laughs) Because I like mushrooms too. (laughs) (laughs) I was a sacred cow in India. All right, guys. Big thanks to Joanne for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks if you are one of the one in 100... Grim America listeners that chooses to support the show somehow, some way, over so that it's over on the Patreon page, Patreon.com slash Grimerica, whether it's just if you just go to our support page, grimerica.ca slash support, there's a stripe link, there's a Patreon link, there's a PayPal link, there's a a cryptocurrency link. Uh honestly it would just be PayPal's easiest, but cryptocurrency's cool too. It's all good. If you're going to support us, we're not going to complain about how you support us. If you if you can find it, if you're getting some value from the show, I think this will be like 486, 487. We're really creeping up on 500 fast. And uh, if those shows are adding some value to your life, you decide how much. Over or contrary to proper popular belief, this is not a free podcast. It's a value for value podcast. You're supposed to listen to it, decide what it's worth, and then send that back. America.ca support, maybe a spam gram with some content. Yeah,
3: send me some stories, some synchronicities, some feedback, some trip reports, some sightings. Graham at grahammerica.com.
0: Graham at America. I'm com. on Instagram.
3: Yeah. Graham's on Twitter. I'm on Kinda Twitter. Twitter. William, yeah. slash chats
0: because that's where we self host our chats and that's where the coolest people hang out. And, yeah, support the show. We really need uh, you guys to be supporting. We'd love you for it. It's how we pay the bills. It's how we keep things going. If you just can't bring yourself to support the value for value model, okay, I get it. Well, I don't really get it, but I'll just put myself in your shoes for a minute. Maybe you need to get something for your money that isn't free. Maybe head over to Rockfin. Check out that premium content there over at rockfin.com slash America as we slowly, completely transition away from YouTube. Check out. Outlaw.ca where you can get access to our other free podcast, which has another uh, members section for it. Or you can head to the swag store, America.ca/slash/swag, buy some kick-ass clothes and shit. And ha- we don't have hats yet, but there's tons of cool stuff over there.
3: And AdultBrain.ca for
0: audiobooks. Yeah, the Secret is Doctrine is officially out. You got those audible is it credits. Out, out? It's out. Like out. It's, it's out, out. out in Audible. For sale.
3: Secret Doctrine's out in Audible. Wow. Secret teachings is coming, which is another tome and secret societies of all ages and countries part or volume one and two is out.
0: Yep. If you head to adultbrain.ca, click on the links, they're going to take you over and you can get these books. If you just want to go into audible search for the secret doctrine, search Graham Dunlop, uh, that'll pop up. And anytime you buy those books that we, that we published, the secret doctrine, uh, the Esoteric Alphabet, all those ones on Adult Brain. All the grammarical ones. All the grammarical ones, the older ones that we've republished. All of those uh, throw a couple bucks in the grammaric account. So it's another way to support the show. And we'd love uh, if you're getting audiobooks and you want to listen to them, check them out. I think that's it. Yep. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week.
1: I said on the- I could see it all Trickery was afoot And evil was at its root The people were scatter plots, Not many could connect the dots Some people stood tall In spite of their righteous voices made small Put down your phone Your souls turn to stone The rhythm of the algorithm Has driven a schism Created this prison I'm shocked and appalled At the technocracy's gone Pulling strings of marionette setting traps in cybernets infinite scroll as addictive as cigarettes cat videos for freedom of the press people that stand tall in spite of our righteous voices made small put down your phone souls turn to stone
4: the rhythm
1: of the algorithm has driven a schism created this prison double click on install Rome's about to fall this hard drive is corrupted and our minds have been abducted Why silicon dreams so seductive When yelling at bots becomes unproductive People, we need to stand tall In spite of our righteous voices made small Put down your phone Your souls turn to stone. The rhythm of the algorithm has driven a schism, created this prison.